What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with The Scale Up Show. I have an awesome guest on today. I have Tomas Cater, who is the founder and CEO of Sion, which he founded in his dorm room in university and has taken it to grow, grow 300% last year to over $11 million. Is going to on pace to double at another 200% growth this year. Just took a $94 million Series A round and breaks down his step-by-step on how to rapidly scale at an early stage and what you could do and how you could apply it to your business. You're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Tomas Cater, who is the founder and CEO of Sion. He actually started his company with his co-founder when they were still students at the university and built it from scratch all the way to a company that's added Series B already. They grew 300% last year and use machine learning, have clients such as Patreon, Poker Stars, and other e-commerce companies. Tomas, welcome, man. Happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for inviting and pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, hi, all. <laughs> yeah, man, it's awesome. I know you're uh, you're you're quite the traveler, so it's it's you're live from uh, Budapest right now, right? Which is cool. Although you reside in in San Francisco as well, man. So just so that we can give everybody a quick understanding of where you're at in terms of the journey, can you please share with us, you know, where you're at in terms of your ARR? Yeah. Um, we started five years ago, uh, AR level, uh, as we grew 3x last year, we are just well over 10 million and uh, growing uh, again uh, quite quickly over the last couple of uh, months and, and, and years. So, um, yeah, we, we try to, you know, set very ambitious goals and, uh, you know, as a private company, we don't disclose our numbers, numbers uh, publicly, but uh, I can tell you that you know last year was amazing. So we tried to replicate the same type of effect this year. So we try to also work extra smart in order to get there. Yeah, well, obviously you're doing something right if you get to 10 million and have a Series B in ten in five years, right? Right out of school as well. So, um, so congrats on your success so far. So, can you give a, a really quick explanation of your solution and how it works and who it serves? Yeah, so we are developing an API-based platform which helps any online business out there to prevent and mitigate fraud. What it does, it actually screens the customers based on their digital footprint. We try to enrich the data, which can be captured during onboarding and during payments, and then use machine learning in order to score registration attempts, payment attempts, logins, so we can prevent a number of different uh, fraudulent uh, 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 transactions, so let it be fake accounts, identity theft, uh, stolen identities, um, payment fraud, chargebacks, etc. So it's a very wide uh, uh, use case. Uh, and we also you know, try to have any online business. So let it be small, medium, large. Our solution is applicable to all the different uh, fraud types and also for any online business. So basically anybody accepting payments, right? I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a pretty broad market where obviously mm-hmm. there's millions of use cases for that. So what's your, in light that that's your solution, what's your primary revenue go-to-market strategy? Yeah, we are a product-led growth company. So we really try to put the product first. Uh, and by that, I mean, we haven't spent pricing on the website. Anyone can calculate their own monthly cost and we offer a free trial. So a free proof of concept period. 
um, our API documentation is freely accessible by anyone, so they can just go to our docs. Uh, we try to uh, be led by content, so we have a very strong uh, content team in-house, and they produce this DIY type of content pieces, which helps our potential clients and target audience to understand more about fraud, but also if they want to set up in-house solutions to understand how they can do that. And um, yeah, we uh, really uh, have um, an inbound machine. So 70% of our clients are inbound and uh, they sign up on our website by finding us on Google or paid media ads. So um, yeah, we put the product first then. So they go into the product or talk to our uh, salespeople. And then, you know, we try to solve their problem with our services and product and it's really off the shelf a package product so it's api based and also flexible so they can implement it to registration login payments and uh, etc so very very uh, you know uh, customer centric uh, there's a nice ux as well so um we try to make uh, the problem um one of the easy things to solve for for their business and we allow them to concentrate on growing their business instead of preventing losses. Okay. That's excellent. So content, 70% inbound. <clears throat> What's the other 30% come from then predominantly? Yeah, it's referrals, uh, some outbound, which we just recently started to do, um, mainly those. Okay. Referrals and outbound. Have you systemized referrals at all? Um, not yet. It's just ad hoc. So we have some partners in place, but mainly, you know, say about us word by mouth or we find some uh, mutual contacts to reach out to or through them and, and, and you know get some potential eyes uh, from their firm on our solution. Okay, excellent. And then uh, we mentioned your team's 280 people, so you got that. And then also we mentioned you know you're funded as well. your series B just by checking out TechCrunch is 94 million, right? which is a large a large round. Um, just out of curiosity for that, why did you decide to take so much money? Yeah, it's, it was rather simple. Um, you know, we had a really good year and also the year before. So we're good position and we were really well subscribed. So we try to optimize for uh, not having to fundraise again in 12 months. And uh, I think we've made the right call at that time. Um, we, really fo- we are really focusing on making those bold bets, which we wanted to do in the last uh, couple of months. So, you know, potentially acquiring uh, other companies and hiring those executives and, and, you know, the profiles we need. And this is not cheap. So we need to invest capital to put it in motion and, you know, uh, just have this cycle of growth. Okay, cool, man. So that was kind of in the in the cards is like an acquisition strategy with that um, roll up. And I assume that was to acquire was it product or IP predominantly, or what was yeah. the the design exactly. behind it? Yeah, product and IP. Okay, cool. Totally makes sense. How 
Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter. Check out other free content resources I have there. And let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Congrats on your success. And, you know, you've, you've had a really impressive journey considering, you know, your age and where you're at just in terms of your career. So can you walk us through like how you started this in college? And, you know, this is like stuff people make movies about, right? It's, oh, this guy made it in college in his dorm room. And, you know, so walk us through that, man. Like walk us through how, like what was the apple falling on your head moment, right? And then how did you decide to start really focusing it and going after it? And um, we'd just love to hear the journey. Sure. So with my co-founder, Ben, so we were good university friends, and we were both very interested in crypto about 10 years ago. So um, we you know, were you know, looking at different uh, ventures and, and started a crypto exchange in Central Europe. And we wanted to uh, accept the fastest form of payments for this crypto exchange, which is still today credit card payments. And then we have integrated the payment gateway and started to accept card payments for Bitcoin. And then in the first week, we got a number of uh, chargebacks. So we've lost about more than 10 grand um, back then. And then we tried to look at the market to find a solution to prevent this um, to happen again. And then we couldn't find an appropriate solution on the market because most of them had an enterprise focus. They were really high those about their pricing and product features. and they forced us to go through numerous sales and discovery calls, which was really unusual. As we, we, we were used to, you know, um, to, to how Spotify or Netflix works, right? And uh, it was really uh, inefficient in our, in our opinion, how these companies really treated their clients. So we decided to build something in-house. And then when we actually spoke with some other uh, business owners, we found out that actually it's a common issue and many companies are facing this challenge. So we have decided to pivot from the exchange to actually become a full production solution provider as a SaaS business. Um, this was right in college still in the last uh, year. And then uh, in the last year, we have started to actually talk to investors. We have set up you know, the uh, company brand website and, and decided about to, to go and, and fundraise, which we were uh, lucky with and raised a micro seed investment five years ago, which helped us to start out from a co-working space, my co-founder, Ben, and myself, and then the first few people who joined, they have become later or CPO, CTO, they're still with us today. And uh, yeah, then slowly but steadily we grew up to the point of the pandemic when we were about 20 people. And then the pandemic has really accelerated our growth. We have decided to open up an office in London. Uh, actually, we started out from Budapest, so you know, from Central Europe. And then in London, we have hired commercial leadership team. And then now we are also in Austin, you know, where, uh, in the States. And also in Jakarta, Indonesia, we have people all across the globe. So yeah, this is how we have scaled up to 280 people as of now. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next milestones. That's awesome, man. I mean, so you did that. And so you said you got a micro seed to, to kind of get started. Did mm-hmm. that, and, and by the way, did you finish school at all? Or yeah, no? yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you guys both graduated. So, yeah. um, so how did you have the wherewithal to like start or to find the money? Where did you find the money? It was like, cause that's what a lot of people talk about is like 
finding investors and stuff like that. So how did you find it at, at such a, a young age and while you're in school? Yeah, um, it was rather easy. We went to uh, different events to pitch our idea. We've created a pitch deck. You know, we went to these, uh, you know, startup pitch events uh, online and offline. So we even flew to other countries in Europe to to find potentially new investors. Um, but eventually, we ended up with a local investor. I mean, just across the border, they were from Austria. So um, yeah, it didn't take us too long, like three months, but. You know, we needed the idea. We needed some trial users and some really early sign of of, of traction. No product market fit. Uh, we only found our product market fit fit in the first one and a half or let's say two years. So it wasn't so easy. But um, here we are today. So wait, you're, what you're saying is you you only got five customers in the first two years? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Um, we've we've had more, but in the first year we've had about five. Oh, in the second okay. year, we've had about say like fifteen, and then uh, yeah, we've scaled up uh, really, really quickly in the last two and a half years. So that's what you know. That's what's interesting is um, a couple of things is like, how did you make that big jump, right? Because it sounds like things were kind of moving slow. You, you got some investment, which was great, right? Um, but what do you think was the the primary mechanism for that growth, and how did you do that? Um, I think mainly what we have worked on is more the GTM, so commercial approach, uh, how we you know, position front of our clients or solution, how do we compare our solution to other market uh, players and um, actually setting up uh, the whole and real commercial arm of the organization. So up to, up to like uh, the beginning of the pandemics, uh, we didn't really have any sales and marketing resources like we only had one salesperson, one marketer, and Benz and myself who were not engineers, and the rest of the team were all engineers. So mm. like sixty people engineers, and then you know three four people non engineers, um, and then really we need we really needed, needed to you know build up this arm to actually be successful in 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 selling our tool to potential clients. So we had to learn a lot um, from from our, our two commercial officer who joined um, in 2020 March. And then he helped us to actually uh, build up this muscle of the organization. Okay. And so for the chief commercial officer role, is that is that kind of like a CRO role or chief rev or chief yeah. marketing officer role? One mm -hmm. of those two? Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kind of a combo. Okay, cool. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, and so you nailed your, your positioning, your messaging, and um, how many people... Once, once you installed that person, how much, you know, how much of a team did you add around the marketing and the content side then? Yeah, um, marketing content, right about 25 to 30 people. In wow. the first year, we've added about 10 and then another 10 and, and you know, a bit slower this year, like five to, to eight. So we are like 20, 28 people uh, now. Um, marketing team, uh, very strong. We, we have focused on content and building out this small media company within uh, the, the startup. So in the early years and days, we have written our own blog posts. You know, we've looked into optimizing SEO. Uh, we've looked into buying our own backlinks and you know, reaching out to sites to get our links out there. So lots of uh, hands-on work uh, needed to be done when we didn't have a real marketing team. But then 
obviously based on the practices we have uh, learned and the know-how we have uh, gathered, we could implement this um, to like a bigger organization. So yeah, about yeah, 30 people now, 28-ish uh, right now in the marketing team. So what's the expected? Because that's a big team for marketing. That's one of the largest teams I've, I've heard on the marketing side. Like what's the ex- what's the expected outcome or the KPIs that you expect a team of that large to execute on consistently? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, website visitors, we are tracking the different sources and, and funnels, whether it's organic, whether it's paid. Uh, we are working closely with different agencies to run our ads. We're also having you know, an in-house team to manage specific ads and monitor- monitoring like conversion rates, uh, you know, CPAs and CPCs. And uh, on the other side, um, you know, conversions of different pages, which CTAs get how much of the, uh, you know, split of the uh, conversions. So uh, we are reverse engineering our, our lead sources to uh, invest in, in those channels and, and sources which are, are, are actually uh, bringing in results. And uh, obviously we need a couple of people on, um, you know, the content side. So we have KPIs on how many new content pieces we are launching, positions for specific keywords uh, from our SEO point of view we are continuously tracking like how we are trending compared to our uh, competitors and as well as how we are tracking to <laughs> all their keywords if you today look up uh, specific keywords in the industry there's a high chance of we come up on the first page uh, in Google which is the fruit of our <laughs> team's hard work over the last couple of years um other marketing metrics I would say um you know um let's say a number of leads, obviously, how many good uh, leads we get, um, product qualified leads, and number of newsletter signups, number of webinar attendees, um, you know, number of um, previously SQS and MQS. And, and you know, all this, this, these are all something we have built out internal dashboards for. So we are closely monitoring what's going well and what's not going well. And, and, and this also applies to the sales team. We have to keep on track uh, individual performance, conversion rates, response times, and uh, all this. Okay. So yeah, that's it's a pretty big operation. So how many salespeople do you have then? Uh, we have, so the whole commercial team is around 100 people now. And I think salespeople consist, so we have, we have actually built out in the last couple of months, quite a big of an SDR team. So sales development representatives, outbound motion in focus. And that's about 25 people. We have senior AEs, BDMs, BDRs, um, another, you know, uh, 40 people. And then we have the marketing team. Um, and now they have moved out from commercial. Previously, they were part of the commercial team. Now we have a different marketing team. Um, so, yeah, sales people now without marketing, I would say actually it's like 70, 70, 80 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Everything from outbound to inbound and just, you know, talking to clients to get deals closed and helping them to become successful using our product and solutions. Okay. Well then like, what's the, cause that, that's the, the other kind of progression is like most folks, you know, once they hit, well, not most folks, but it's a common trend you'll see in, in SaaS companies, right? So they'll start with product like growth. And then once they get to that kind of 10 million mark, they focus more on enterprise or the larger deal sizes that are you replicating that? Are you, Deploying that strategy, or um, or are you doing something different? Um, I really try to think of Sion as more like of a HubSpot instead of a Salesforce. 
So our mission is to democratize fraud fighting. So to provide a tool to businesses of all size, you know, let it be small, medium, large. Um, we still put our product first, but now we are building out more of an enterprise arm of our solution when we can provide, you know, those professional services, let's say like creating those presentations and giving the hands-on help to clients to reach the success criteria with our tool. So before that, it was really in the last two years, like a packaged product of the shelf. You know, we only explain how it works, plug and play. Um, but now we are you know, looking at bigger uh, clients and, and they require actually more of the professional services. And, and, you know, before it wasn't really our focus. So we don't have like an on-premise solution. We, we are based on AWS. We, we haven't really been flying out to clients to convince them to buy our product because everything was done through Zoom, especially in the pandemic. So uh, that was also our advantage uh, because our competitors actually were focusing more of the enterprise approach. And when everything shifted to digital and when clients had to actually try the products out and, and you know, compare them side by side, that they realized that how we are different to to our, our, our competitors and and this helped us to actually become uh, a go-to solution for for the businesses who we are working with and uh, yeah i mean it's a, it's a complex thing but um yeah enterprise versus pi you can do both and most companies do both and if you just do enterprise let's say uh, you might end up in a situation when small businesses would not go to you so your long tail be non-existent and i think still long tail is a huge market and that's why we have launched our uh, e-commerce uh, arm so we have a shopify app uh in in their app store and that's really helpful for us to actually uh you know spread the solution amongst the long tail segment okay that makes sense well what would you say is your single biggest challenge well let me ask you this is it do you think it's challenging shifting from that more product like growth focus to the enterprise is that been challenging oh yeah i mean um it's it's challenging because product led it's actually a buzzword but i would say we've been only you know focusing mainly on the product so far and now we've got to a point when we have to adjust our gtm and our product offering and and every services around these uh like um, you know, projects in order to appeal to more enterprising clients. So we can't go to a, you know, a, a top five US bank with a PIG motion. We can't, we can't say like, here's the link to sign up. And by the way, you know, <laughs> here's our link to learn more about our solution. Now you have to go there and, you know, show fancy presentations in order to convince stakeholders. And, and you need a strong team of uh, sales ac- executives and, and account executives who can convince the internal buyer to become your internal hero and push through your solution uh, and and so far uh, we haven't even uh, participated in rfis or rfps because we knew it would be a waste of time those big accounts require much longer sales cycles and you need to spend much more resources the reward is also much higher but for us to get from seed to b requires to actually ignore those you know big banks who are moving really slow they might not even buy your solution in the end. So we are focusing really on those, you know, medium type of clients and also smaller ones and, and you know, some, some bigger ones, but mainly those who can move quickly are only in the digital space and have the same mindset of, you know, being a startup and, and, a, and, and, a, and a fast growth companies who really have a problem with fraud and they need to solve their issue by yesterday. And, and then we were there for them and we are still there for them to, to solve the issue ASAP. 
Yeah. Well, no, that makes sense. And I mean, it's deliberate focus that you have, which is fantastic. I mean, that was one of the things. So I, um, I, I created an enterprise motion from scratch. And so we mm-hmm. had to go through that and we, we, <laughs> the good and the bad thing was we didn't have any other options. We're like, <laughs> okay, you have to do, you have to figure this out. Yeah. And I'm like, there was no go to market. There's no playbook. There's anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the ultimate deliverable is we ended up closing over $3,500,000 plus deals yeah. um, with the enterprise companies. And, and there is a lot of nuances to it because they could take nine months. You know, we did a deal with Amazon for like $20 million. It took oh. 18 months. Right. So there's a, you know, there's definitely a different motion muscle. And then what I would say to one of the most critical things that most people ignore is like the mental endurance the salespeople need to have, um, mm-hmm. especially if they're used to closing stuff really fast, right? It's yep. like an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I I definitely hear what you're saying. One of the cool things that I heard you say as well is that, um, and it's funny, I wrote a post about this a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn. Is uh, it's it is I call it the complexity multiplier formula. And so what I've been doing is I've been looking at. I've been working with companies and one of the common things that I themes that I see when you look at their top biggest clients that they've closed is that they'll have outliers in there where let's say for example they think they have to call on 2 billion dollar 20 billion dollar companies to get let's say a million dollar deal well we're finding that you know there's those million dollar deals in the 200 million dollar range 500 million dollar range as long as the business case is there too mm-hmm. so and so obviously like long story short the best um, deals, at least should, should say to get the, the enterprise motion going, is to nail those lowest revenue deals, lowest company revenue, where they have the lowest company revenue um, because they have the least amount of decision makers. So the decision yeah. tightens the short, the sales cycle to be much shorter. So Exactly. And your ACV might be lower, but if you, you know, look at the numbers, if you have uh, way more clients by just looking at the quick wins, then you can scale up faster and then your growth will be also higher. So let's, let's say if you would only consider those multi-billion enterprises as your clients, then in two years, you might get nowhere in terms of traction. So you have to be really convincing uh, in front of your potential existing investors to explain your strategy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at it like a balanced portfolio, it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. But the weird thing was we saw... Here's the, here's the thing, Tomas. We saw they had the same deal size, ACB, with a $20 billion company as a $500 million company. Yeah, that's that thing. Is lawn, is lawn as the rest of the segmentation is really tight. So, yeah. um, all right. So let me ask you this. So what would you say is, um, so that that's good. And thanks for sharing that, man. Because that's that's a transi- transition that a lot of folks are trying to get to mm-hmm. at your revenue stage. So what would you say is like your ninja skill, something that you've done that you think better than anyone else to get the results you have in your business and grow it? Like, and could you like break it down in terms of like a framework of how you approach things or a mental model? Um, yeah. And let's take it from there. Yeah. Um, I think of myself like a sponge uh, by soaking up the knowledge. So I try to, and at this point, I was fairly successful of just collecting information pieces across the company so I can make the best decisions. And in order to make good decisions, you have to have the data in place. So I tend to every day read every message on Slack, but not only which uh, channels I am part in, but also, you know, I use this search on today when you type it in Slack and you see all the messages on Slack. And every day I read every message which were shared, not of course in private chats, but in every channels which I can access. So I read all these conversation pieces and try to identify 
bottlenecks which can then influence like a hiring plan or you know uh, deciding whether to you know put something in a roadmap uh, before or after something else or in just how we adjust um, you know these these priority orders in terms of product in terms of hiring in terms of you know gtm how we look at let's say um different conversion metrics during our funnel and i really try to optimize everything for being friction free so not only the solution we provide is friction free for the clients for clients but as well as the whole onboarding process for our future clients when they come to our site is friction free they have to go to the least amount of clicks in order to you know get to some information piece or try out our product or get to the aha moment within the product and i'm, I'm really obsessed you know by by the industry so not only uh, i try to you know soak up knowledge and implement processes in place and make decisions based on uh, those data points but also uh, i try to learn you know across industry from different experts from partners from advisors so what we did very well, I think, is uh, during the last two funding round, we have assembled uh, two angel uh, rounds. So about 25 angels uh, we have now from the largest fintech companies in Europe and also companies like Slack, Datadog or Figma over in the US. So executives from this company join as investors. And now we can ask questions to them. They're really willing to help to us. Uh, we can turn to people with our concerns and you know frustrations and then this way we can find shortcuts in building business. So as a first time founder, we haven't been there before. And now, you know, we have helpers who can guide us and, and, and shed some light on things we haven't seen before. The other part is just, you know, quick follow-ups and throughout process in terms of managing expectations. So I always tend to reply to messages, uh, let's say, uh, via email, Slack, in less than 24 hours and i think that's really important to be accessible so anyone in the organization can turn with questions to me if no one else can answer those so i'm happy to have anyone in the organization and and and, and you know just um i think um yeah what i've got as a feedback is is you know having the vision in place and then as a ceo this is the main job i have is, is having a vision where the company should be in 12 to 18 months you know what are the products we are launching what are the focus points in in transforming the business from this to the next level and uh, when i discuss with people i always repeat and repeat myself by saying you know what we need to have to get done to get to the next milestone which lead to the end and goal to the vision so that's really important and uh, yeah everything else you do in between these things is is really just be agile, you know, be adaptive and, you know, be, be friendly and easy to work with people. So they are willing to work with you and, and help you to, to build a vision and, 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 and be collaborative. Okay. So that's a lot, um, which is good, right? A lot of, a lot of things that you're executing on. So a couple, couple follow-up questions for that mm -hmm. is, um, how many hours a day do you work? <laughs> uh, it depends, uh, between. 12 to 14 something like that okay so that's reasonable i mean that's you know that's you're, you're hitting it hard but you're not like psycho you're not working 20 hours a day right so yeah, I am. How, how much time do you do you spend reading those slack messages uh two 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 three hours wow two to three hours and yeah. so that's what i was gonna say i'm like that's gotta take a long time to go through all the slack messages yeah, about 2000 a day 2000 a day. And so by doing that, 
you just kind of look at that as, cause that's a massive commitment, man. So do you see, like, you think that's the easiest way to spot all the trends and patterns of like that for you, is that like a pattern recognition exercise where you're just like, mm-hmm. Hey, like I can see what's going wrong here because we're getting five questions on this or six complaints on this, or is that kind of like how your brain works? And then you could translate that into the product. Yeah. Spot on, spot on. Uh, and I work with the C-suite members in order to also replicate the same, you know, kind of approach. So when I see a pattern, let's say, Hey, you know, there's a constant customer, there's a big issue. And then, you know, if it comes up multiple times, then, hey, I know, like, we have to prioritize this. Obviously, this is just one aspect. Let's say in finance, I know if you get the same, uh, you know, repeated uh, ask or need, then, hey, I know, like, we have to implement something. But just by capturing these pieces can can be helpful to, you know, adjust the the the, the need of uh, adjustments on, on or fine-tuning specific flows or processes. And then uh, this is how we can level up. And I know that, you know, it's, it's waste of time um, for from a specific perspective, but for me, you know, without um, actually having access to all these information pieces, I might not make as good uh, decisions as, as I would uh, without the information at hand. I mean, that's very admirable that you spend that much time on it. How do you prioritize it then after going through that? Because it's a lot of data to intake on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, multiple things. So in terms of emails, I have like a color coding you know, requires my follow-up, requires my monitoring, uh, important emails, etc. on Slack. I also tend to like, you know, save stuff. Like I'm, I'm using reminders. I'm using like, you know, draft messages. If I have to keep in mind something, I have my own to-do list. I I, I try to like be very uh, holistic in, in how I view the business. So not only looking at your individual shareholders in the C-suite, like, hey, this is the job of CPO, CTO, blah, blah, blah. but I'm looking at like global, horizontal tasks across the business. And then I, every day, you know, when I have some bandwidth, then I follow through these steps and, and check in, you know, how things are going. And, and we are setting up all the reporting systems, which is really helpful for me to understand how things are going in the right or wrong direction. So we can take, um, uh, you know, steps to avoid something to, to keep unfolding in a way we don't want it to be. Okay. Excellent, ma'am. Well, I could ask you like a hundred more questions on different things because I think um, the way that you look at pattern recognition is really unique. And obviously, there's there's with the way your brain works and how you kind of view problems, it's it's working really well for you. And um, like I said, I don't I don't know very many CEOs that would take the time to to spend two to three hours a day reading Slack messages. So um, <laughs> so props to you for your commitment, man. That's uh, that's impressive. So um, so we are. Up, up on time right now. So uh, I think to end the episode, it'd be great for people to understand where they could find you, where they could find out more about your company, where can they get some of the content. So um, let us know. We'll put it in the show notes and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Amazing. Sion.io. Yeah, that's where you can find us. Um, try, our, try out our product. It works well. <laughs> so that's pretty simple. Sion, that's S-E- o n dot i o so tomas it was it was awesome having you on the show it was really great hearing your perspective and your view and kind of how you handle things so uh thanks for being on man my pleasure thank you too all right and we will see you all on the next episode thank you for checking out the scale up show my mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering 
in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.